Let's get chilly. Hello and welcome back to Let's Chill, the official, unofficial Central Division Champion podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Jay. And I'm a third, Kane. And we are pumped. They did it. They did it. The Windchill have won a spot at championship weekend uh, for the first time in history. I, I hope that wasn't one of your stall sevens uh, because they have won the first, first time in, in their club history. They're going to be competing at championship weekend, and it feels pretty good. Feels real yeah. good. I, I wouldn't even say they, they won it. I'd say they earned it. Absolutely. 100%. And it feels really good because, you know, they're they're champ weekends at home, you know, at That's home so from cool. Minnesota, that is. So. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah I was well, actually, I was checking the forecast for August 25th, 26th, and apparently it's going to be sunny, but a really strong wind chill. Yeah. yeah. There it is. There it is. Stall seven, boys. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. All right. Last night, Minnesota had a 63% O-line conversion. They have only gotten O-line conversions of 60% or higher in four of their games. Can you name the other three opponents? Is that it, this year or ever? this year? This year. Okay. The, the, other, other... the other three games. The other three games. I'm going to say one against Indy at Indy just because it's indoors. I'm going to say the one against Madison at home and then give me Pittsburgh at home as well. Okay. I got I got the right answers. Uh, <laughs> Indy indoors, uh, the last Detroit game, um, and the last, ooh, actually, I don't know if this is right, the last Chicago game at home. Okay, so Jeff got one of you guys. Indy indoors is correct. Um, oh boy, Pittsburgh at home is also correct, and Detroit okay, in Detroit is correct. So it's the first three okay. games of the season they finished sixty or above, and then they didn't then- for the rest of the season until yesterday. Actually, I think they only had two other games above 50% as well. They had a really abysmal online conversion until yesterday. That's crazy. I mean, that's the story. That's been the storyline of the season that we've been talking about it. We don't have to get too much into the weeds yet. But like, yeah, that honestly doesn't surprise me. Their their O-line honestly has been kind of weak. And they clearly picked it up last night. So we can get into that after this. O-line is definitely a discussion after these. Uh, I got one. So. I was at the game last night, and there's a lot, a lot of big plays. Uh, both sides of the disc, both teams, it was awesome. And there's one play in particular that stood out to me. Uh, our one and only Paul Krennic got roofed by a player on the Alley Cats. Both of you, who was it on the Alley Cats that skied that man? Was it Cam Brock? It has to be Cam Brock, right? It was Cam Brock, and it was <laughs> the greatest thing ever because I was talking to Brock after the game. And I was like, hey, thanks for thanks for doing that to PK. And he was like, yeah, apparently he and PK were, were chipping a little bit, like like friendly banter back and forth, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool to see like upcoming PK, you know, like young player nationals. And then this veteran, Cam Brock, who has like hundreds more goals than the guy in second place, just having that. There's nice back and forth. It was cool. Really? I'd love to, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that little, that chatter back and forth between those two. Uh. All right, my stall seven is, is championship weekend related. Uh, the last so Minnesota 
what is in championship weekend and they're hosting championship weekend what year and bonus points what team what year was the last time the host team was also represented in the final four 2018 madison jay i think it was 2019 madison uh, Kane's correct. I had the same thought, Jay. Uh, I had to look it up before this podcast. 2019 was hosted in uh, San Jose. Okay. But I that's what I thought, is... too. Wait, no, did Madison make it in 2019? Uh, no, the Alley Cats went. The Alley Cats did, didn't Yeah, yeah. I, I, I even yeah. wrote that in my article. I'm stupid for not getting that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But, so, yeah. Big that's weekend. Uh, they're going to be... They, they have, like Kane said, earned their spot at Championship Weekend. This has not been... By any means, an easy season for them. They've had plenty of struggles, ups and downs, highs and lows, as any season has been. I think we've kind of alluded to it. Let's let's just get right into it. Their O-line has been a big storyline of like it's really been inconsistent. Their turnover rate, Josh Klain mentioned it last night in in the post-game interview. Uh, Let's talk about their their O-line for a second. Let's just jump right in. How, what, what, what uh, happened last night that made them so successful, I guess? Yeah, I think going into this game, I was talking to Snyder a little bit off cam and he was saying everyone like needed this. And they were like, we we have that O-line set up and they were like, this is what we've been doing the reps for. And so I think it really was just an accumulation of learning from every single game this season. Kind of what you put in your article. I mean, you mentioned a couple of times how there's a lot of things we can take to like from those games and bring to the O-line, things that we learn. And it really feels like they did that. It really feels like these high caliber players were now executing on way on plays that I'm not saying they did it before, but they were doing it at a much higher level and more consistently now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I what stuck out to me in the player chitter uh, that that Kane had compiled. Uh, I don't know the, the percentage. Just about every single player who. Um, Kane asked, like, what is the team focusing on for this game leading up to indie, the indie game? Uh, just about everyone said chemistry. Like, you know, they had they they also said defensive sets, which I thought was really interesting. That was very consistent among the people, like the responses, but just pure chemistry. And I don't know what that meant, if that meant literal, just like team bonding. I think it probably meant on-field chemistry as well, obviously. But yeah, keeping the, the consistency has been a weak point thus far. Um, and finally, like they were able to to have it's like their, their strongest O-line they could put together this season. Um, and chemistry is big in Ultimate. We talked about that with Indy and how they, they didn't have any team turnover. So their chemistry should be really good and stuff. Um, but obviously, you know, the Winchell were able to eke out that win last night too. I mean, honestly, I think part of their O-line and... Uh, it kind of goes to what Evan Lepler said in his, you know, his grading all the champion teams. Sorry, it's Daniel Cohen who wrote the article about grading all the championship teams. But we didn't really ever get to see them. And you're talking about this chemistry. I mean, it takes a certain level of chemistry for Will Brandt to throw like four hammers cross fields to Jordan Taylor. Like that, that was crazy. I mean, those, I mean, Will Brandt played out of his mind and he trusted every single one of his throws and his receivers trusted every single one of his throws. And yeah, some of them were a little bit misput and there were a couple of turns and there were a few mistakes here and there. But I mean, never once did it let, you know, those strings of turns keep happening and they fought to get their points back. They fought to get breaks. So yeah, I do think it was a large part of um, chemistry in that O-line, but then also just like the trust that that chemistry gave them as well. I remember watching the first indie game. Um, and I took a screenshot and like I had 
drafted up this tweet and I think I showed like maybe both of you or just Kane or something like it was it was like the most random scrappiest O-line I had seen it was like Marco Dragney Jordan Taylor uh, I think Colin Barry was on the O-line that in that particular screenshot so right like this was it didn't have A-Roy it didn't have Nick Vote or Paul Jerk like we expected like we all, we all knew these people had left but the tweet was basically like the way I did a double take at this O-line because this is like who are half these people on this O-line? Um, but again, like looking at, again, the in, in the context of chemistry and just how they've evolved over the season, it's really cool to see how each one of those players have slotted in, again, into their role. Uh, Jay, you mentioned Jordan Taylor, and I think he was on that O-line in that screenshot. Like, he again, he's made a name for himself. He's already, he's been a vet on the team. He's not a new player. He's not even a sophomore player. But like, again, when they were down uh, that double weekend of like Detroit and then Chicago, and they didn't have like any O-line. Jordan Taylor stepped up. Tristan Martell stepped up. Like and they have withheld through everything this season. Uh, and again, it, it like basically accumulated in a big game last night. One of their best games of the season. I think, yeah, I think the, uh, the wins basically up until this game, like you said, have been like gutted out. Like they've been hard fought for. And I'm not saying there's win last night was easy but we didn't necessarily have to make it as dirty like we didn't have to have as much grit in this one it felt like it felt like the team was executing like i said earlier at a much higher level and part of that is just the fact that again everyone was there and so we had the full rosters and so the rotations that the coaching staff puts together can actually be put into play and you see that where each line has its uses and has its ability to convert and it's really cool to see that as a fan because it's like these are all these amazing players that i get to cheer for now so i think another factor too that is interesting um and jay mentioned this in his article so like we're just like plugging all of our articles that we wrote uh but another factor that maybe is a little underrated was the time that they had to prepare Again, it wasn't just like, hey, cool, we have everyone available. We have a game next week. Let's go. It's we have everyone available and we have three weeks to prepare with this chemistry in mind. So again, because chemistry takes time. Like you can't you, you can't manufacture chemistry, which like I know you literally can in a lab, but like <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, especially in, in there's a whole class for that, Jeff. <laughs> uh, I did pretty good in that class too. I I almost failed chemistry. <laughs> But you know what I'm trying to get at. So I think I think time was a really interesting, underrated factor. I'd love to hear one of the players' perspectives on how that actually played out and, and what they used that time for. Um, and again, now they have another two weeks until championship weekend. And I think they'll... I, I guess I don't know if they'll change their plan a lot. You know, like, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, like, you have three other teams potentially here you're going to be going against. Or, like, you know, like, you have Salt Lake and then... Yeah, you have to prepare for the other teams who you're unfamiliar with. So you might have to change your approach. So that'll be really interesting to see how are they going to come in, in two weeks? How's that going to look different even from last night? Yeah, I know. I think they will have to change some things going into the game against Salt Lake. Um, maybe not like player composition or anything like that. And, you know, that chemistry will still be there. But I think play styles, I think that's part of the reason why they were working on those defensive sets so hard. Uh, what we were saying, all those players are saying, because they they had to look to throw something unique at these teams from other divisions. You know, they're they're pretty well practiced against the Alley Cats. I mean, this is their what third time beating them this year. I mean, 
and the first game they weren't doing that great and they came back so like they they were well practiced they knew the alley cats play style they had a plan of attack against them and they executed really well um and i do think they did play very cleanly yesterday i mean at the end of two quarters they were up by four and they just never really let the alley cats get a foot back in the door um and if they can do that to the Salt Lake, you know, end up a quarter by up one at the first half or even two at the end of the first half, I don't see them giving up a, a run of breaks. You know, after last night, after how cleanly they played, after how they didn't let one bad turn get to them. And sometimes they let a bad, they had a bad turn and they got the disc back. You know what I mean? Champions hold. Um, and Minnesota was doing a really good job holding last night. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I was talking to a few players last night and a few players mentioned it in the player chitter article. Uh, the approach that they're taking now is a uh, is game by game where they're not looking at it as how can we play better ultimate. It's how can we play better ultimate against the shred. They're leveling it up where they know that the team works. They know that it's coherent and can be consistent. Now let's take those pieces and tweak it to be even better against this team. And so it's a lot of film study from what I heard last night. They were like party day tomorrow. So if they went out on a, on a boat today, saw that, but like Matt has said, now it's it's film and workouts. So they're they're ready to get back at it and approach the shred with a, a serious attitude. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like I for uh it's really frustrating not to be able to like have a solid like I, I know how valuable film is and I and I know that's a truly valuable thing, but yeah, like I wonder how similar because I don't I don't watch a lot outside the central division. I wanted to this season. Didn't happen. So just putting that out there. I wonder how similar the shred uh, style of play is to Colorado. Because again, I've been mentioning this, like that Colorado game now will prove to be extremely valuable, especially honestly, almost especially since they lost. Because again, they're like, okay, this clearly didn't work. And it wasn't even close. It wasn't like, okay, let's just do it a cleaner next time. It's like we can't do that this time around you know we got to change it up and there here's some clear aspects to change that so i wonder how how similar salt lake shred played to colorado summit and then again like the sucky thing is at championship weekend is unfortunately you have to also prepare for that matchup on saturday as well like you know yeah you want to really focus on that shred game on friday night because if you don't win that one you're not going to play saturday but like if you do win that one, you have to already have something in your back pocket ready to go because you have less than 24 hours till you're playing the next team. So that'll be an interesting balance. Um, and and more than that, even until day of, you don't know who's going to win that game. So like we, we'd like to say it's an obvious New York win, but you, may, you, you just don't know off another upset, right? Like, and that's, that's yeah. a whole nother division. That's a whole nother style of play. And so, yeah, I if if I had to guess what the team is at right now, it is learning how to adapt to what the coaches are throwing at them right now. I don't know if they're going team by team, but I think the the players are just getting ready to handle whatever's getting tossed at them. I think that's all they can do. Yeah. Well, I think that even it's beneficial then to even go quarter by quarter. Because again, like you can look at this Salt Lake Shred game and say, okay, here's our play style. But no, it's like quarter this quarter we're going to win by this and then we're going to get one point ahead this quarter. We're going to win by one point like that, you know, like even just like condensing it more, I guess would almost help. Yeah. Subdividing can just really improve your style of play and just 
get get out of your own head. Also, we are a Winchell exclusive podcast, but like there were some crazy games this weekend. Like that Hustle Soul game and that Empire game. Like Empire Breeze. They had like the cleanest game in AU to history. They had what four turnovers? Four turnovers. Like total. That's the same. Breeze like did not really put up a fight. Like, I'm sorry. That that rivalry is always super close, especially that game, that like semi or like quarterfinal. But that was not yeah. that great of a game. And they didn't have Jeff Babbitt. Like <laughs> crazy, crazy weekend. Look, sorry to get us off track, but no, that's I'm I'm glad we talked about the soul game. You guys know we all I think we all except Leo had the uh, hustle going all the way to championship weekend. So Leo I, I, Leo had flyers somehow, didn't he? Because he said they were gonna like Yeah, he like switched he whatever. Yeah, he's whatever. But, yeah. but Leo's our nephew for those who are not our family, but we're doing our own <laughs> bracket. For, for the three but, people that aren't my uh two siblings that listen to this podcast. And Leo. <laughs> and Leo, yeah. But, hey, um, Leo, if you're listening, we'd love to get you on the pod sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to say, yeah, preparing for this, this Salt Lake Shred game, um, I do think that there is a lot of valuable film study to watch and to do. Um, I was going to make a joke earlier about how, you know, Mattis said, you know, after tonight, it's back to workouts and film study. I'm like, so Mattis does anyway, you know, that's what he does for us, he does for fun, right? Um, but <laughs> in all honesty, Salt Lake played New York this year. They played Colorado this year and they had a tight game. I mean, winning by three against the Aviators when the Aviators were almost not even in the playoffs and they beat the Aviators earlier in the year. Like they had a tight game against the Aviators. There is a lot to learn from watching film with the shred. And I think that Minnesota is going to have a lot of valuable film to be watching. So. Yeah. That's a fair point. Here's the question though. Now that I'm kind of thinking about it more. Do they watch film of the shred being bad to exploit that, or do they look for the shred strengths and learn to combat that? And I'm like, I'm like asking. I don't, I don't need to know if you guys like actually have an answer, but I mean, I don't even know. That's interesting. It's it's well, the obvious answer is both, right? Like it's kind of the same question of when um you're at like hockey tryouts. And the goalie lets out a like lets a goal pass. Is the goalie bad or was that player really good? Like, is that a point against the goalie or is that a point for the like what yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, is the weakness better than the strength, or is it yeah, what's strong this right. week? I'm I, yeah. my train of thought, but I sort of yeah, I get what you're saying. I, I sort of Matthew, like point me to where the salt like shred were bad this year. I mean, they lost the Empire, but lost the empire by four in a game where they had like a 95 completion percentage like the empire just capitalized on every break chance that's just what the empire do right. you, you can't give the empire an inch because they're going to take the whole mile you know so i don't think the salt rake should okay, ever played that. all right all right also okay i'm totally bringing this up you said they they capitalize on every break point every break and, chance and and so break points come on defense right <laughs> anyway you know <laughs> okay anyway i will be the one to say there's always an exception to every rule the empire I'm... i think we can safely say are the exception at this point yeah. well and, and so exceptional. actually 
this is actually a very valuable, like in all, all seriousness, I think a very valuable talking point because the, the, the saying generally goes that offense wins games, defense wins championships, generally speaking, right? Like, I think there's a lot of uh, exceptions to that. So I don't know if you can really argue that anymore, but in the context of championship weekend, now we can actually pull out like the Winchell had a very, one of their best offensive games of the season last night. Uh, admittedly, I don't know how their defensive percentage and like how those stats were, but bringing that to championship weekend now, like generally speaking, they are very strong. One of the strongest defensive teams in the league that is on their side that will be playing in their favor as long as they can capitalize and ma- again, manufacture those turns. Cause again, if, if a team isn't giving up turnovers, their offense has to also not give up turnovers uh, like they did last night. Like, uh, so I think that's going to be a big part of it. Like Kane, how'd you, how'd you see their game last night on both sides of the disc in terms of, especially turnovers and just like letting, taking up opportunities. Uh, I'll start with O-line because I feel like that's a little bit of a shorter answer. Um, I really think the O-line was a lot more consistent with its throws. I didn't think it took as many risks. There were a few times where people behind me were like, oh, oh, in the back of the end zone there. And I was like, yeah, but also, you know, Will Brands try to make this swing pass to kind of clear the lane. Like, and that's just one like random example. Like that was happening all over the field. There was a few throws there was in the red zone that they didn't take. And then eventually were able to score. And I think that's something that's really important. So O-line felt again more consistent. And then can when I, it switched can I just over add a the... point to that really fast? Yeah. To the offense, which like I in my my game by game analysis article I wrote more often than not, and like I felt like a broken record. I kept saying, take your time, work the disc downfield. Um, and again, like we saw that with the strike this season, like their their handler set again, we said that time and time again, how patient they were. They didn't necessarily take the deep shot, even though they could, because they knew that they could get it uh, a couple throws later. So yeah, sorry, continue. No, absolutely. And and they felt like they really got the small ball down a little bit more. And then when they did have a block or a turnover, it really felt like they were able to keep it tight on the quick turnover to defense. And I'm not saying that's something we were bad at, but there were a few times where the O-line got it back and was able to score. And so that's also like a good thing. Like you said, champions hold, right? Like if the O-line gets broken, they can get it back. So that's good. And then as far as the D-line, I mean, it's the same thing they've been doing all season, taking opportunities, getting blocks. And then, I mean, we the first point of the game uh, in D was on D and they got a break point to start the game. And so that means Minnesota was able to get enough breaks to overcome that. So clearly that's still working. Uh, Every name that we've mentioned for defense this year, just plug that in here because they were all on fire last night. So nice. Uh, Question. uh, How were the conditions as you could tell on the field? Like, was it windier than normal? Was it as windy as normal? Or would you say it was less windy than normal? I'd say as windy as normal, as windy to slightly more windy. Uh, And also it felt like the wind kept changing speeds throughout it. Mm. And that might have just been because I was on the bottom of the stands. I don't know if that was just like, yeah, yeah, because again, the aerodynamics of that stadium are so random as we've heard this year. So So that's the interesting point in that we've kind of talked, I think mostly off pod, but like 
they have home field advantage, but truly not home field advantage. They have home crowd advantage. And that, while is valuable, is different. Seafoam uh, yeah. Stadium, I mean, Daniel Daniel Cohen and Adam Ruffner talked about that a lot extensively on their last episode of Swing Pass of like, oh, you know, Indy is the indoor team, but can they perform outside? And, you know, if conditions aren't windy, can Minnesota actually get a break? You know, can they get a turnover or do they just rely on the wind? Um, so if I, if it sounds like it was as windy, like we didn't really get an answer to that. Like maybe they are still relying on the wind. I mean, and again, I know the defense is incredible. We can manufacture blocks and turns a lot, but when it comes to TCO stadium, I don't know, I guess. I mean, I know the windshelf played a couple games there, but again, it's not their home field advantage. So that's going to be a yet another factor that could throw off their game. Like it's, it, it's not a, truly a neutral site, but it's closer to a neutral site than it would be otherwise. Um, I do want to say 10 of 21 of 21 of Alicat's turnovers were blocks, and at least two of them, at least two turnovers that I saw were not were counted as throwaways when it was definitely like Minnesota defensive pressure. So I go as far as to say 12 of 21. Um, which is good percentage. Yeah, I, I said that's pretty good. So that actually I do think they generated a lot of pressure. Um but then also to the point of O-line turnovers, because I, you know, I'm the stats guy. Uh, on average, Minnesota is averaging 19.2 turnovers per game. Um, and in their the last seven games of the regular season, it was 22.2, almost 22.3 turnovers per game. And yesterday they had 17. Um, so they cut it back a little bit, not a ton. They still have a concerning amount of turnovers. Um but because they generate so many blocks and so much defensive pressure, it's almost like they do play a defensive win game sort of style. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Bivon, I was talking to Bivon and Cameron Brock after the game, casually, you know. Uh, for the first time, I noticed they're both number three. I don't know why that didn't click before, but I saw them stand next to each other and I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, nice. But Bivon was talking about how they have, they have to get out to TCO. He was like, we haven't played there in a couple of years. And he he was even mentioning how the conditions are different there. And that that does play a factor. And it's I don't know if it's going to be as big of a deal because I don't think – I again, I think this Minnesota team is adaptable. I don't think the wind plays that much of an effect on their game because, again, they've gone to other stadiums before and played there. They've gone to new stadiums before. It's not like they've never played Frisbee outside of Seafoam. No, I, I completely agree. I don't – yeah, I just – I want to – like, when we talk about home field advantage, we're really talking home crowd advantage, which is not much of a difference, but it is truly a difference. Um, and, again, like, look truly. how – truly uh, – Throwing a frisbee at again five thousand foot elevation like affected their game, and and you could talk about all the other factors that went into that, but different conditions did affect the outcome of the game, um, at least to some extent. So an right. interesting thing to watch. I would I'm really looking forward to yeah checking their story, seeing how often they're going to be at TCO. Maybe they won't put as much as um, they're actually out there, but I bet they get at least at least once a week for the next two weeks at least on that field. But I think it's Vikings training camp too. So like that, that's what that field was designed for. So we'll right. we will see. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to get out there. I've never been. So 
Better buy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. So, and I, if all things go to plan, that's where they'll be playing next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, the, the, there's rumblings. Uh, you know, that's definitely also like let's just can be clear. That's us saying that we have not like officially oh, heard that, yeah. but like I need you guys to know, unless Feldman is on the podcast, <laughs> we don't get anything. We've asked. Nothing's we official. Yeah. <laughs> you want we're trying we're trying to get leaks and scoops for you guys, and we're getting like maybe a text back that says check your email, and it's just like a, a coupon. What? yeah no um, we don't get we don't get that much or yeah we we're not given permission to leak anything that we're that we are given like i know one thing about one player who doesn't like another player and that is it and that is all i can say and i'm like even that's not like groundbreaking like so we don't know if they're gonna play there next year <laughs> the point is we want more people to go to these games and we want a bigger stadium to accommodate that. Yeah. I do want to bring up a point about home field advantage. Um, what we were actually talking about. Um, Minnesota has won every game at home this year, which is seven. And I believe they won their last two or three of last season at home in a mm-hmm. row as well. Um, then it would have been all of last season. I think if Chicago didn't beat them at home. So of their last, like, 13 games at home, they've won like 11 of them. So like that home field advantage for Minnesota, if it is, you know, just the crowd that's doing it for them is strong. It's, it's massive. Um, I do think part of it is, you know, familiarity of CFL, but that home field advantage, I mean, everyone, everyone talks about it. I mean, Daniel Cohen and Adam Ruffner mentioned it all the time of, you know, the eighth man of the wind and just having home field advantage. And they never mentioned it when Minnesota's playing somewhere else for the other team. They always mention it for Minnesota. So like it's it's a very well known thing. Minnesota does better at home. That's true. And like it all also like counter argument, but same argument too. Like Bree Stevens Field, uh where, where the Madison Radicals play, like their crowd, we had um, I think I was only I was the only one at this game um where they Madison played at home or at Seafoam. And like seriously it felt like half the crowd was um Radicals fans. And it was intimidating. Like being in the home crowd, I was like, "Oh wow, I feel like I'm in the hostile environment right now." Um, and um, who was that? Maybe Colin Barry or someone on the pod basically said, "Like I'm in Chicago, and I think even in Madison, the home crowd is pretty much right up against the field. Like you can really hear the heckles and stuff, kind of like the beer garden at Seafoam." Um, but so the counter argument is like the Radicals haven't played that well this year, even though they have a really strong crowd on their side. Um, so again, that's kind of like a point toward the wind being more of the eighth man than the crowd. But I still agree that like the crowd can be very influential. Um, yeah, I want to bring like a bunch of noisemakers. I'm gonna I'm going so hard for championship weekend, you guys. Oh, I'm so freaking yeah. pumped. Yeah. Um I will I'm wondering if we will be closer to the action and or more able to like influence the players because like we've been told before like yeah, they can tell when the crowd is cheering, but I wonder if TCO will be better for that or not. I hope, obviously. I mean, that'd be the best outcome, but at the very least, I just want the players to know that we're there, you know? Yeah, yeah. like both sides. I want the Winchell guys to see us, and they'll be like, it's like like a superhero movie where they're just on their last strength, and then they see like their girlfriend in the window, and they're like, yeah, and they 
go nuts. Uh, we're we're the girlfriend in the window. Um, but then I also want I also want the other team. I I tried to heckle Chicago Union their last game, and I got a couple good ones off. But I was it was more out when I was on the stand, so I don't think they heard me. But yeah, I'm trying to heckle Jordan Kerr. He's a he is like a verified windchill fan. Uh, so Jordan, I'm not going to help you too much, but like, you know, you're going to get something from us. So yeah, that's going to be, and that's going to be a lot of fun. With, it's with a lot of respect, but exactly. also please, please lose. Yeah. 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 Like if you just like happen to be, uh, out of town that day, you know, just not, in, not an Egan, that'd be great. How about this? How about this? If you guys throw the game, we'll buy you drinks at Surly and we can yeah. watch the championship game with you. Although let's let's be real, Jordan Kerr. I, mean, I know this is a Minnesota centric podcast, but he's putting up some numbers. Like yeah. I know everyone talks about Jeff Babbitt for the MVP front runner, but I mean Jordan Kerr, Jordan, wow, Jordan Kerr. I mean, is really the most valuable player on his team. No offense to the rest of the Salt Lake guys; they're also really awesome, doing really good. Like no, but it's he true is, though. Yeah, he is like probably the best player. If you Definitely take out the, the if you take out the MVP of a team and then they commit their you know, their lowest turnovers in AUDL history and they played the cleanest game ever. I don't think you're the MVP. Jeff Babbitt's good. Jeff Babbitt is incredibly good. I don't know if he's the MVP. We, again, we could talk about this on a separate pod or we can continue to talk about it. But yeah, I think Jordan Kerr is, is a scary guy to play. So that'd be really fun to see him in person. It's going to be incredible to see like the New York Empire in person, the soul, like it's, I don't know. You know, like I'm almost going to be starstruck. I feel like we we see all these people, uh, and now we're gonna we get to see these teams in person compete, and and some of them against the windchill. So that'll be really fun. Uh, what else do you guys have to say about about last night about the championship weekend? Anything? Uh, so yeah, championship weekend. I last year I went to championship weekend and I did get to see the Empire play, um, and I will say they are they are awesome. Like they like. It's it's no surprise to me that they are the team that has the lowest turnovers. I mean, four is crazy. Um, but I don't think that's a record that, that will ever be beat. They have to have a pretty much a perfect game to beat that record. Um, but I go back to this like MVP point. Jeff Babbitt's not playing. Ben Yacht steps up. I mean, Ben Yacht had a plus minus of 10 yesterday. Like, holy, holy buckets. He had eight goals. Like if, if Babbitt's not there, it's Yacht. And if Yacht's not there, it's Babbitt. And when they're both there, it's mostly Babbitt and sometimes Yacht. So like I, I do I do think that Jordan Kerr should get the MVP nod. And that's, we clip that's my two cents. saying holy buckets. <laughs> holy buckets. I well, okay, it was I thought that too. That stuck out to me. Too. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, ignore everything else you said content wise. No, I, I agree to your point, Jay. That yeah, the Empire team has obviously a lot of star power and so so does salt lake so does austin like so, so minnesota's in some high competition and i was and yeah that's the thing is that especially after last night and just kind of seeing cam brock and bevon talk to each other not to like continue going back to that well but just like this legend of of brock who has again hundreds more goals than the guy in second place and like are we have guys on that level and it's it makes it makes me feel better about these matchups and makes me feel better about the team going to championship weekend and i think my last thing about last night was that it is fun to see this team be good and i'm so excited to watch championship weekend 
Yeah. Yeah. They finally got that monkey off their back. Like this, the last two seasons, you know, needless to say, we, we haven't even brought this up, but like them having to face Chicago and Chicago and just like, you know, they, they, they choked in 2021, they threw that away. And then last year they didn't really even compete that well. And so to see them make it and, and make it pretty much like in, in no doubt fashion, like again, the Indy was competitive, but like it, it never really seemed like it was going to be, uh, an indie win you know yeah so yeah like it's really satisfying to see them make it this far at home um and yeah like going back to just really quick like the depth like new york has incredible depth and if you are again if you can take out easily one of your best players and you can still have one of the best games in a udl history clearly you're a good team and i think same with the windchill too like we've talked time and time again like their depth their roster depth has been incredible so again, if Vivon for some reason is out of that game, I, I'm never like, oh crap, that's it. They're just relying on Vivon. Like they have so many people who can fill that role and they can still win. So I'm super confident. I'm super excited to to see them play. Yeah. That's well, the pod. That's it. Absolutely. So well, well with that, yes. Uh We'll see you at Championship Weekend, August 25th, for sure the Windchill are playing. Let's cross our fingers that they're playing on the 26th as well. But we are going to be in the stands both days. I'm going to be bundled up. I hope you guys are going to be wearing your winter gear because I want to show I want to show people, at least for that Windchill game, like who we are. You know, let's let's show up big. Come say hi to us. Uh, again, we love we love hearing from you guys. We love getting that constructive feedback. Uh, we love getting compliments. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, we all need that little boost in our brains right now. Um, yeah, come say hi. Come cheer with us. If you guys want to bundle up too, absolutely. Like our audience, wear your winter gear, winter, wear a winter hat. Don't get heat stroke on our behalf. Uh, <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun time. We'll see you at TCO. Anything else? Holy buckets. Holy buckets. Stay chilly. Stay chilly. Stay chilly.